Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We're glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in a series entitled The Glory of the Gospel, the Book of Galatians, an epistle written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in southern Galatia. And Paul is upset. You can tell that if you've not read any further than than the middle of the second chapter, you already know Paul is upset. And, And he is upset because there are those who are trying to change the gospel. And he's also upset that there are some who are falling for it. There there are some who are believing in, in a different gospel that Paul actually calls in the first chapter, no gospel at all. So here's the question. Are we saved by grace through faith in Christ alone? Or are we saved by grace through faith in Christ plus? Do we live by grace through faith in Christ alone, or do we live by grace through faith in Christ plus? And that is the key question. In Paul's day, the plus would have been the Old Testament law, the rituals, the sacrifices, and that would include circumcision. In our day, the issue would be a bit different and yet very much the same. It would be Christ plus good works. And what are they and how many do we need to do? Christ plus baptism or church membership or the Lord's Supper or the way we believe or practice certain gifts of the Spirit. Christ plus. Paul is saying to the churches in Galatia and to us 2,000 years later, don't go back. Don't go back to an old way of living that you may have experienced before you came to faith in Christ. And so Paul shares his testimony and we'll continue to do that in the verses that we look at today. And the outline that he gives us is one we can use. I love the outline of Paul's testimony. Before I came to Christ, how I came to Christ, and after I came to Christ. That's a great division for our own testimonies when we're sharing with others what Christ has done in our lives. So the story continues in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 that Roseanne read for us a little bit ago. And so the message today is entitled, The Glory of the Gospel, Let's Be Together on the Message. The Glory of the Gospel, Let's Be Together on the Message. Now, the bottom line is this. Paul's preaching is correct. Paul's preaching is correct. But if the leaders in Jerusalem don't support that message or agree with that message or don't shut down the Judaizers, then they will, perhaps not purposefully, but nevertheless doing this, they will be undercutting Paul's message, particularly to the Gentiles. Are we saved in the same way? Do we live the same way? Or are there differences for Jew and Gentile? Are there differences today? Is it Christ alone or Christ plus? 
hopefully you can see the importance of the issue that Paul is addressing. Now, we as believers might disagree on how often we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We might disagree on the importance of church membership. We might disagree on the events that will surround the return of Christ. We might disagree on the meaning and the manifestation of certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to how we're saved and the fact that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone or Christ plus, well, you see, there's no room for compromise or differing opinions. So here's what Paul does in these 10 verses of chapter 2. First, he takes a journey. He takes a journey. Now, have you missed out on some journeys because of the of COVID-19? I bet many of you have. You had a vacation plan, a weekend trip plan, maybe just a shopping trip to Austin or a hunting trip or or something and and you missed out because of being quarantined or having to stay at home because of COVID-19. I know for myself I missed out on getting to go once again this year with my son on a mission trip to Haiti, and it had to be canceled because of COVID-19. So most of us have probably missed out on some kind of a journey over the last number of weeks. Well, Paul takes a journey. So where is he going? He is going to Jerusalem. Fourteen years, it says, fourteen years later, he begins the journey to Jerusalem. Now, is this fourteen years after his conversion on the road to Damascus, or 14 years after his last trip to Jerusalem, which in itself was three years after his conversion on the road to Damascus. We don't know. Learned folks have written a lot about that, some saying it's 14 years after his conversion, others 14 years after his last trip. We don't know. But what we do know is Paul is going to Jerusalem, and for a very good reason. So who is it that's going? It is Paul. He's going to see the pillars he calls the pillars of the church or the leaders of the church he's going to see them face to face this is going to be face to face communication and paul has to know if the church is united paul has to know not only is if the church is united but is he going to have support in contradicting the message of the judaizers which sadly is leading many astray He knows he's preaching the truth. There's no question about that. But if the Judaizers continue to make it seem as if back in Jerusalem, the opinions are changing or being modified or maturing, so to speak, then what is going to happen to Paul's message to the Gentiles? It will be undercut. And so Paul has got to know Where do you stand on this critical issue? So Paul is making a journey. Now, second thing I want us to notice from the text is Paul has some companions. Paul has some companions. He has two companions. One of those companions is Barnabas. You just say the name Barnabas, and if you know much about the New Testament, it just makes you feel good. In fact, the, the, the word Barnabas means son of encouragement and that's what we see Barnabas doing he is an encourager he's Paul's friend 
He's highly regarded in the early church. He was a companion to Paul on his first missionary journey. And he's greatly loved and greatly respected. And when Barnabas walked into, into the room with Paul, immediately people smiled and welcomed Barnabas. And, and that did even more to enhance Paul's presence because he was hanging around with a good guy like Barnabas. Well, the second companion on the trip stands in some contrast to Barnabas. His name is Titus. And Titus is a Gentile convert. He's uncircumcised. He's not Jewish. So he is coming along with Paul, not as some afterthought. Hey, Titus, you want to go on this trip with me? But on purpose, because the question is, in order to be saved, does Titus not only have to have faith in Christ, but does he also have to become a Jew? Does he also have to be circumcised? So Paul is, in effect, standing Titus up in front of the leadership of the Jerusalem church and saying, look him in the face and give him an answer. And is your answer, Titus, get ready for circumcision, or is your answer, Titus, you're saved by faith in Christ alone? Now, There's a journey, there's some companions, but let's get down to brass tacks here. What's at stake? What is at stake with this visit of Paul and Barnabas and Titus to Jerusalem? There are three things at stake. And the first is this, the message preached. The message preached is at stake. The truth is the truth. And that is what Paul is preaching But the Judaizers are preaching another gospel that in chapter 1 Paul says is no gospel. So there's a lot hanging on the line here. And no matter what, Paul will continue to preach the truth. But he knows if there's not a clear-cut declaration from the church in Jerusalem, then competing voices are going to continue to make it difficult for Paul to, to deliver his message of truth to the Gentiles. So the first thing that's at stake is the message preached. The second thing that is at stake is the unity of believers. The unity of believers. Disunity is confusing to the church and to unbelievers who are watching. Now, we're not talking about unity for unity's sake or unity at the expense of the gospel. The gospel is the same for all, and that's the issue. The gospel is the same for all, and that's the issue. Will the church affirm that? Have you ever been part of a church that was not in harmony, that was not unified? Maybe it was staff at conflict with one another, or maybe it was deacons and pastor, or elders and church, or lay people in the church, but if you've ever been there, then you know it is an extremely chilling and unpleasant experience. And that is what concerns the Apostle Paul. So what is at stake is the message preached and the unity of believers. And the third thing that's at stake is the visible glory of the gospel. The visible glory of the gospel. Now, nothing dims 
the glory of the gospel. Nothing dims the glory of the gospel. But man's view of the glory of the gospel can be dimmed by disunity or the preaching of a false message. So this is an important journey made by Paul and his two companions. And at stake is the message preached, the unity of believers, and the visible glory of the gospel. So what are the results of this journey and of this visit with the leaders in Jerusalem? What are the results? Well, very simply stated, the result is this. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And the church, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem affirmed Paul himself and his message. Yes, Paul, we have not changed. We are one with you and we stand with you against those Judaizers We are saved and we live by grace through faith in Christ alone. Not Christ plus, but Christ alone. So, with that being the decision, what are the results of that? And there are three things that are a result of that decision. At least three things that I want us to observe. The first is this. The results affect outward freedom. The results affect outward freedom. Are rituals required? No. Are sacrifices required? No. Uh, Is circumcision required? No. Is grace through faith plus required? No. Outward freedom has been restored, as it were, for all. There is an outward freedom in the fact that we're saved and we live by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now, the second result is internal freedom. So there's an uh, outward freedom, and there's an internal freedom that is affected by the results, by the decision made in the Jerusalem church. Don't lose sight of the what if, if it had turned out that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ plus. Don't lose sight of the devastating consequences if that had been the decision. In fact, you could drop the word grace completely because the word grace means God's unmerited, undeserved favor or or blessing. And, And if we're saved by works then you can drop the word grace out of the conversation completely. What if it had been Christ plus works? Then immediately my my mind begins to ask some questions. How much? How many good works? What good works qualify? Uh, Do we have to be perfect? Or or do we get a mulligan? As, as, As golfers say, when a group gets together to play golf, they can kind of set some rules if they want to and say, you know, we're going to give every golfer um, three mulligans. So what that means is, let's say, give you a mulligan on the tee box. So if you hit your ball off the tee box and you don't like it, it didn't go far enough or it went off to the left or off to the right or it went in water 
or it went in sand, which is where mine always ended up, then, then you could get three mulligans and say, I'm going to do that one over again. So do we get do-overs? If we're saved by Christ plus works, is it 25 works, 100 works, 1,000 works? How many? How many is it? And your mind begins to whirl, and you think, "Oh my goodness, I don't really know where I where where I where I stand in regard to my salvation. What line is it that I have to cross in in works to say, oh, at last I'm safe. At last I'm saved.' And then can that change the next day because of sin that I commit? Understand that." With that kind of viewpoint, you can never really go to bed with total peace of mind as far as eternity is concerned. So the results affect outward freedom and internal freedom, and also the results affect the glory of the gospel. That's the third effect, the glory of the gospel. Because of the this, this decision, the glory of the gospel shines through undimmed eyes. There's no cloud of confusion. The pure glory of the gospel is unleashed. We are free. We are saved. We belong to Jesus 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, not just when our good works outweigh our sin. So that leads us to the last thoughts of the day. Let's make a 2020 application. A 2020 application. First application, there are five of them, or there are three of them, excuse me, the 2020 application. The first is this. The message is unchanged. The message is unchanged. Announced by Jesus, planned in eternity past, preached by Peter, John, James, and Paul, and us. I'm saved the same way as a man in Asia or a teenager in Europe or a lady in South America or another resident of Belton, Texas. We are saved and we live the same way by grace through faith in Christ alone. No one's moving the goalposts. You know what that term means? If you're a kicker in the sport of football, you certainly don't want someone moving the goalposts while you're trying to kick a field goal. You want the goalpost to remain fixed in one spot. If you're a soccer player and you're trying to score a goal, you don't want someone moving the net while you're trying to score. You want the net to stay in one spot. Or if you're a basketball player and you're shooting at the basket, You don't want someone moving the basket. You want it to stay right there so you'll know exactly where you are supposed to shoot. And that is exactly an illustration of what we're talking about. No one's moving the finish line. No one's moving the goalposts. No one's moving the soccer net. No one's moving the basketball goal. It is fixed that we are saved and we live by by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now, the, the second 2020 application is this. The glory of the gospel is undimmed. The glory of the gospel is undimmed. 
The glory of the gospel has shone brightly for over 2,000 years. And it continues to shine brightly. And now we do not have to look at it through undimmed, confused eyes. But we are able to see the glory of God through eyes that are clear on how we are saved and how we are to live. The third 2020 application is this. The importance of you cannot be overrated. The importance of you cannot be overrated. And you are important in God's kingdom and God's plan for the ages. So I want to leave with you five ways in which your importance cannot be overstated. And then we'll be finished. The first is this. The importance of you cannot be overstated regardless of where you have been. For Paul, he had been a persecutor. He had seen, because of his efforts, Christians put to death and put in jail. He went from being a persecutor to being a preacher. What about you? Were you raised in a Christian home or were you raised in a pagan home? Did you grow up in the wealth of a North Dallas home or did you grow up in poverty in a third world country? Did you, do you walk the halls of academia or do you have a job that pays minimum wage? Is your skin color white or brown or black? Regardless of where you have been, the message is the same and the importance of you is unchanged and cannot be overstated regardless of where you have been. Now, the importance of you cannot be overstated no matter your calling. What's your calling? We show the glory of the gospel, whether we're a teenager in school or in the prime of life or in our retirement years, whether our calling is to be a pastor or a teacher or an electrician or a lawyer or a sanitation worker or an engineer or a business owner or a Fortune 500 CEO or a professional athlete or a craftsman or an oboe player in the orchestra. Whatever it may be, whatever you're calling, no matter your calling, the importance of you cannot be overstated. The importance of you cannot be overstated, thirdly, with the help of encouragement. With the help of encouragement. We think of Barnabas as Paul's encouragement. And we see the importance of encouragement for you and me. Is your encourager a spouse, a friend, a parent, a teacher, an elder, a deacon, a youth or or children's minister? Do you have one or many encouragers? All of us need encouragement as a recipient and also as a giver of encouragement. So the importance of you cannot be overstated with the help of encouragement. Then fourth, the importance of you cannot be overstated with the assistance of your teammates with the assistance of your teammates. Paul had a team consisted of people like Barnabas, Silas, Luke, Timothy, Mark, 
Aquila, Priscilla, and many others. And your team is your fellow believers found most often in your local church. You are part of a team. And the importance of you cannot be overstated with the assistance of your teammates. And lastly, the importance of you cannot be overstated with the certainty that you are part of the glory of the gospel, with the certainty that you are part of the glory of the gospel. Can you see it now? Do you see it as you as you look around at your fellow believers? Can you see the glory of the gospel? Does it offer you great encouragement especially in days of great challenge. Someday we will see it in all of its fullness, in all of its glory before the throne of God. As we close today, I don't know where you are. The majority of you are probably in central Texas. You're part of this church family or you know about this church. You have friends who go here, so you're watching, you're joining in with us today. We're so glad that that you are. Some of you may be watching from somewhere else in Texas or somewhere else in the United States or perhaps even from another country. We are so glad that you've chosen to join with us. I have a question to ask you. Do you know Jesus? If the answer to that question is no or you're not certain if you know Jesus, then I simply want to plead with you today. Will you call out to Jesus today? Will you call out to him and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Will you come into my life today? Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. It is my desire and my my intent to follow you from this day forward. And if you will call out to Jesus in a prayer like that today, would you let us know? Contact information is on the screen before you because we want to help you as you grow in your walk with Jesus. If you're already a Christ follower, you know for certain, for certain that you belong to Jesus. Are there some things that need to be made right today? Sin that needs to be confessed, forgiveness that needs to be requested Do it today. Don't wait. If that means not only asking Jesus for forgiveness, but another person, will you do it today or as soon as is physically possible? God will bless you. I love you, church family. I can't wait. Time, The time is coming. We're going to be regathering, and I can't wait to see you then. May God richly bless you all. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining with us today. I I pray that you had a great worship experience uh, on this Lord's Day. And uh, remember, church family, those of you part of our church family, watch for the announcements Wednesday concerning our uh, regathering. I'll let you in a little tip. We're trying to keep our worship services small initially. So we're going to have six weekend worship services, two of them on Saturday afternoon, evening, and four of them on Sunday You'll see those times and who we're hoping will come to each of those services Wednesday on the website. Look for it then. 
God bless you all. Let me pronounce our benediction from the book of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you just want to talk to somebody. We're here to listen. If you would like more information, visit our church website at fbcbelton.org. We're located at 506 North Main in Belton, Texas, and would love to see you soon.